The Athletic. Hello, I'm Dan Bardell and welcome to The Athletic's England Show. We'll be here throughout Euro 2020 and we'll bring you all the latest news and insight from inside the camp every single day from the Athletics team of writers and special guests. And so Gareth Southgate's named his squad for the tournament. I'm joined by our England correspondent Jack Pitbrook as well as the Athletics' Carl Anker. So let's just rattle through the squad now, the final 26 that will be representing England in Euro 2020. With the goalkeepers we've got Dean Henderson, Sam Johnston and Jordan Pickford. The defenders are Trent Alexander-Arnold, Ben Chilwell, Connor Cody, Rhys James, Harry Maguire, Tyrone Mings, Luke Shaw, John Stones, Kieran Trippier and Kyle Walker. In midfield, we've got Jude Bellingham, Jordan Henderson, Mason Mount, Calvin Phillips and Declan Rice. And finally, the forwards, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Phil Foden, Jack Grealish, Harry Kane, Marcus Rashford, Bukayo Saka, Jadon Sancho and Raheem Sterling. So Jack, we know the squad. Can you just talk us through the unlucky players that didn't make the final cut? Yeah, so there's seven players, Dan, from the 33 who have not made the 26. Uh, first to miss out was Mason Greenwood, who decided to pull out on Friday after conversations with Southgate and Solskjaer. Then of the remaining six, uh, Southgate basically uh, divided them into three groups. On the one hand, there was Aaron Ramsdale, Ben White and Ben Godfrey, who I think it was always the plan would not be part of the 26 because they lack some experience compared to their counterparts. But then the big decision really was which other three more senior players would he cut. And this Southgate described as a very difficult decision, but he decided in the end to cut Jesse Lingard, James Ward-Prowse and Ollie Watkins. Although he spoke very, very positively about those three guys, their commitment, the fact they stayed with England uh, to play in these friendlies and to train this week. And he said the door isn't closed to them because, of course, they're still on the standby list. Yeah, big news, wasn't it, Carl? You're, you're our Manchester United man. Can you just talk us through the, the Greenwood situation? This was an interesting uh, wrinkle that got announced early on The Athletic, where it became apparent that Mason Greenwood on Friday uh, made it known to Southgate in the England camp that he was carrying, it sounds like a groin strain, an underlying injury, uh, and opted to stay at home for the tournament. Uh, apparently this injury has been there or thereabouts for Greenwood since March as well, which sort of uh, recontextualizes some of Manchester United's late season exploits, shall we say. Uh, but it very much seems as if Greenwood uh, respectfully pulled himself out of contention by informing Southgate this uh, and more or less made a case of removing six players rather than seven. Jack, do you think Greenwood would, would have made the cut if he'd been fit? Well, so Southgate was asked about this, and uh, he didn't—he didn't really give too much away. I actually think he would have done, because mm. he, the fact is that Rashford—I don't think he really has looked on top of his game in the last few weeks. So that was clear in the Europa League final. I mean, Cole will know more about that situation than me. Uh, Raheem Sterling has not had a good season. Obviously, he came back in for the Champions League final, which was a surprise, but he hasn't played well for City for quite a while. So I actually think England could really have done with an extra option in those wide areas who can score goals. And uh, I think if Greenwood was fit, I'm sure Southgate would have found a way to get him in, maybe at the expense of Saka. I don't know. So in that sense, I think it is quite disappointing. I was really looking forward to seeing Greenwood at the Euros, you know, maybe just as an impact sub, but 
I think there's a lot that he could have brought to that team if he was fit. Yeah, I think, I, to be honest, I thought he was going to get picked myself as well. I thought he was an absolute certainty for, for that 26th, the, the way he ended the season. Carlin tournaments gone by you think of, of years of whether England were going to attack four strikers whether they were going to attack five strikers in historic tournaments when teams used to play two up front now there's probably you could say three strikers in that squad but the headline news is that there's four right backs which is unheard of in, in tournament football I mean it could have been even if there was 23 there was four right backs before I get your thoughts on that let's just cut to a clip from Gareth Southgate at the press conference talking about the selection of Liverpool's Trent Alexander-Arnold Okay, so I spoke with Trent about three weeks ago. Um, so where the stories over the last couple of weeks that have ended up with uh, yeah, lo- lots of strange headlines, lots of strange stories, I've no idea where they've come from. Um, but I felt there were stories that ran that were so far off the truth. I would never normally speak to a player because... I read a lot of stories about myself that are not true, but I have to accept that's the job I'm in and people speculate and write it as if it's exclusive or anything else. But when it's a player sometimes and, you know, they might feel that they're reading it, so maybe it's true, maybe the manager is speaking to the press behind the back, that's obviously not the case. So even last night we're still dealing with that, puzzled because... He's there taking set plays in the morning for the game tomorrow, and then he's re- you know he's reading that he's not going to the European Championship. I, I really don't understand it. Like for me, it's no drama. I, I accept as the England manager, this is what I deal with. I always go back to front page of the whatever it was. I'm the biggest fan of British Bake Off. I have Bake Off parties at my house, and I'm desperate to be on the show. The only thing in the story that was true was my age, you know. <laughs> that's that's the world I live in. But for my players, I want to protect them. And so, you know, again, we're having to speak to Trent last night to say, look, don't know where this is all coming from. It's nonsense. Um, because people then jump on it and say, I've got an agenda or I don't like the kid. It's an incredible situation, really. But as I say, not bothered about it from my own point of view, but... I, I do always think about the players. Yep, so Carl, a, a great time to be an English right back. It is, it is. It's that really fun thing of how international football and, and Premier League football in general has completely changed in the last 20 years. You think about how right back was traditionally the one position you can sort of hide a player because all you really need to do was be right-footed and vaguely make some tackles. And now not only are England taking four right backs, but they're all kind of different in what they can bring. And there's all, you know, other right backs that haven't been picked. You know, Aaron Wambasaka is at home, hasn't made it. I think this is four right backs, but there's an asterisk to it. I very much now am viewing Kyle Walker as the third centre-back in a back three that I think Southgate is going to play in the majority of the games in the Euros. I think I can't see Southgate playing 4-3-3 against Croatia in the first group game. I think he's going to play 3-4-3 or the 3-4-2-1. And whatnot, and I think that's going to be it's going to be Kyle Walker next to John Stones, next to one other football player. Maybe it's Connor Cody, maybe it's Tyrone Mings. But Walker's really important when he drops back and plays that centre back role, and then it becomes a case of which of the many right backs uh, plays right wing back. I think what we're going to see, not perhaps not at this tournament, but in the World Cup that is next year, is uh, a new version of Lampard, 
and Gerrard, which is can Reese James and Trent Alexander-Arnold fit in the same team? Um, Reese James at right centre-back and uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold at right wing-back. You heard it here first. Yeah, I mean, Reese James has thrown his hat into the ring, hasn't he, Jack, with his, well, he's playing in the Kyle Walker role as that right-sided centre-back as a right-back. What, what do you make of the conundrum and all the right-backs that we've got? Exactly, yeah. I mean, I thought James was amazing for Chelsea in the Champions League final. In that, in exactly that role, like you know, it's kind of a role that you'd expect to go to someone with a bit more experience, like Walker. You know, it's something that Walker's done really, really well for England and at times for City over the years. But James was terrific there, and actually, you know, England basically have I think two good options for that that role: the right, the right hand side of the back three role in Walker and James, and then, well, at least three options I think for the right wing back role, uh, which I'd say you probably. You know, tri- picking between Trippier, James, and Alexander Arnold for that job, I think, is difficult. You know, they're all. I think each of them could legitimately be annoyed if they're not starting that position in the first game. What I also want to say is, I completely agree with Carl. I think England are increasingly likely to play a back three in that first game against Croatia, just because I think you can only really play the back four if you're incredibly confident about the fitness and form of your two centre-backs because you're risking leaving them exposed. And frankly, Gareth Southgate did not sound optimistic at all about Harry Maguire's fitness or about his capacity to play in that Croatia game today. It was just in the press conference an hour or two ago and Maguire came up and you know Southgate was asked, is Maguire going to be fit for Croatia? And he Southgate said, we don't know that yet. It's going to be tight for the first game. There's no question. You wouldn't want a half-fit Maguire playing as one of two centre-backs. So I imagine it will be Walker or James, Stones, and then one other who I think, maybe a half-fit Maguire, maybe Mings, maybe Cody. I'd say probably Mings is the likeliest of those three. So it's not necessarily going to be the England team going into that first game that lots of the fans want to see. Because I know, you know, when you speak to fans or you ask them on Twitter, 90% of them say they want us to play an attacking 4-3-3. I cannot see Harry Maguire or Jordan Henderson playing before the knockout start. I don't think it's wise. No, I don't think I, agree, yeah. I don't think it's wise for either man to play more than 20 minutes before the knockout start. Both of those gentlemen, I mean, what we know Maguire hasn't trained on grass yet. Uh, and Jordan Henderson, while he has, I've seen videos of him running in a straight line on Liverpool social media accounts. It's one thing to run in a straight line to, you know, sort of doing banana style in and out runs and change direction very quickly. If, yeah, wrap them up in cotton wool, give them what they need to, all the sleep they need and save them for the knockouts if you need to do that. Jack, you were, you were at the press conference today, well, on the press conference as it is nowadays. Do you think the team tomorrow will give us any indication into into what Southgate's thinking is going to be going into the tournament? Would you expect to see three at the back tomorrow? I don't think it will give us too much indication because there's still a lot of players waiting to get involved. Like the Man United players, I think, are probably just going to be arriving around now, I imagine, for the England yeah. group, although obviously Maguire hasn't joined up yet. The Chelsea and Manchester City players who could provide, I don't know, six places maybe in the first 11. Those guys aren't going to join up until the end of this week, so they won't be involved. Then on top of that, you've got some guys who are come, you know, coming back in various different stages of injury, whether that's Rashford, Grealish, Henderson, Maguire, Calvin Phillips is carrying an injury. So I don't think like it's going to be an England team which is not going to look like the England team for the Croatia game. You know that Jesse Lingard, for example, who's not even in the twenty-six man squad, is going to start tomorrow. Yeah, wouldn't be surprised if we see you know Ben White, Ben Godfrey perhaps involved a bit as well. 
maybe Ward Prowse off the bench, maybe Watkins. So I wouldn't read too much into it. And I think, unfortunately, I imagine that Southgate's formation is going to be largely dictated by the individuals who are available to him, rather than, you know, by trying to fine-tune the team ahead of Croatia. Because the sad fact is, that I'd, I'd guess about six or seven of the players who I would expect to start against Croatia simply aren't ready to play this game. Yeah, I mean, Carl, we, we spoke about Trent last week. It was when we did our podcast after the 33-man squad was named. I mean, it's a, turned into a bit of a saga even in the last 24 hours. I mean, the media was reporting that he was out, definitely wasn't going to make it. And then a couple of hours before the squad was announced, he, he was back in, it was revealed. What have you made of all that? I'm not sure how smart Gareth Southgate is, but oh. it's become very, very clear he's not silly and he's not stupid, right? So I think this is one of the big things about our understanding of England is we've got a surplus of Italian talent. We've got all these very, very promising names. And there's this whole thing of, oh, he's a waistcoat and he's a company man and he's not that bright. I think there is something to Southgate that he hasn't quite, he's very good in press conferences, Jack's spoken. He, he he gives answers without really giving answers. And I think this whole Trent situation has been much ado about nothing. The moment he was in that 33-man squad, I couldn't see a version of the 26-man squad where Southgate leads him at home. Southgate's yeah, you not, said that last week. He's not yeah. silly. You don't leave a player that good at home. And I, th- I think that's what's happened. It, it's this idea of, you know, perhaps it's a hangover of Euro 96 and we still haven't quite forgiven him for whatnot. And we still want to believe that uh, Gareth Southgate is a bit of a company man who's lucked his way into his job. But I think he's he's a lot smarter than we give him credit for. I think, yeah, this Trent thing is much ado about nothing. Maybe he doesn't play too much of this competition, but uh, yeah, there's no way he's staying at home. I think what's also interesting now is the more I look at that squad, the more I look at that 26 man squad, I go, not only is Southgate viewing this as the Euros, but he's also thinking about it as the tournament a year before the World Cup next year. You can see yeah. certain individuals in there, Southgate's going, okay, right, that's, this is your role for now and I'll see what's going to happen next year, which, you know, probably brings us back to this Greenwood situation and why he, didn't quite mention if he was going to leave him in or not, because I, I can very easily see Greenwood playing for England at the World Cup in Qatar, but he doesn't want to put Watkins in a type of funk before this Euros. It's a fine, fine balancing act, and I think he's playing it well. He said that Trent, he said that he decided and told Trent that he would be in the squad a few, three weeks ago. Is that the is that the twenty six or the or the thirty three? So he told him he would be going to the Euros. I think it must be the twenty six. That or oh, that was the that was what I read from what he said that he told Trent a few weeks ago that he would be in. Uh, he said that you know what he said last week when he announced the thirty three, which is that he sees Trent not only as a right back, he can see him perhaps playing in different positions on the pitch. Whether or not he would actually do that, I don't know. I mean. This is the kind of thing that's very easy to speculate about. You know, I'm going to play, pick this player in a different position, but I don't really think it makes sense to play someone in a position that they don't, you know, where they don't play for their country. And it very rarely happens that way. You know, this kind of thing is not that common in practice. So I still don't know. I mean, I think this is one of the huge conundrums is will he, will he actually start him having just dropped him from the March games ahead of Trippier and Reese James, who I think have probably got maybe as strong a case to start in that role. I just don't know. Like, It's genuinely one of the most interesting things because unfortunately, as Carl says, you know, whatever he decides on Alexander-Arnold will be the story. You know, if he starts, it's the story. If he doesn't start, it's the story. And that's difficult for Southgate, but that's probably just the reality of the situation. So in last episode, I mentioned I need to have a look at Southgate substitutes. 
And I did have a look, thanks to the people at Opta. And the most common substitute appearances tend to be Rashford, Lingard, Sancho. And then you got Vardy and Danny Rose and Welbeck behind them. So a bit of a spread schedule. Uh, Southgate isn't one to bring on too many defenders off his bench. Uh, although he has brought on Carl Walker and Maitland-Niles a couple of times. So uh, the idea that Southgate might keep Trent Alexander-Arnold on, on like the 60-minute mark to whip balls in hasn't come true before. However, he's not really had a defensive player of that sort of attacking talent before. So I might just be talking a bag of nonsense here. I mean, it's the first time for everything, Carl, so anything can happen, whether it be Trent coming on the sub or, or you, you talking nonsense. As I say, there's, there's a first time for everything. Now, someone who I was expecting to make an impact from the bench, being honest, was Jesse Lingard. Looking at those that cut... He's the one that's really, really surprised me. And just before we talk about that, David Ornstein broke the story on The Athletic this morning that he actually wasn't going to be in the squad. So here's David now on that decision by Gareth Southgate not to select Jesse Lingard. Well, the impact Jesse Lingard made in his half-season on loan with West Ham from Manchester United suggested he was fully deserving of a place in England's provisional 33-man squad that Gareth Southgate initially named. But when it came to the final 26-man party, there was always going to be debate about whether he would make that cut. I think it's fair to point out that in the final weeks and days of the Premier League season, his form perhaps tailed off a tiny bit. It wasn't quite as spectacular as it had been before, although he'd set himself a pretty high bar. That said, he came to the group with a lot of credentials in terms of his experience with England, most notably at the 2018 World Cup. Uh, Manchester United performing at a high stage under high pressure, which will be needed at a what's essentially a home European Championships. And also he's a good guy to have around the camp. He's very popular, full of energy and spirit. I think he'd be a good traveller, a good passenger, even if he wasn't involved in the matches. And from what I hear, this uh, is understandably a pretty big blow to him. He'll be gutted not to be going to the tournament. And it's slightly curious to hear that he'll be playing in England's opening friendly. I don't know how he'll be feeling. I'm sure he'll give a good account of himself, probably got a a point to prove. But that party cannot be changed now, apart from in sort of extenuating circumstances. So it will be that England have to do without Jesse Lingard. That's the path they've chosen to take. You could say that Gareth Southgate does have a lot of options in the role he occupies. So you're talking about the likes of Jaden Sancho, Phil Foden, Mason Mount, Jack Grealish. So he's blessed in the attacking creative midfield department. And maybe that's why Jesse Lingard has had to settle for a place outside of the um, final party. Let's see what happens now with him in terms of club football. Will he stay with Manchester United? Will he leave on loan or permanently? And you wouldn't write off his England career entirely. 28 years old and he's shown already that he can come back and rise up and perhaps he'll do so again. We certainly wish him well. Yep, so it was David that broke that story this morning. And if you're interested in breaking stories and the Athletic's great writing, then there's going to be lots of great England stuff coming up. If you want to take advantage and get a 40% discount on your Athletic subscription for new subscribers, all you've got to do is go to theathletic.com slash Pod and you can sign up ahead of the tournament and you'll get a 40% discount. As I mentioned, Jack, you mentioned earlier that the Lingard's actually probably going to start the friendly game on, on Wednesday night up at Middlesbrough and... It's a bizarre situation. Eh? That's 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 not a normal thing to happen in international football. Get omitted from a squad and then start a game. Just you said earlier, Gareth Southgate spoke about that. Just what a bizarre situation. Yeah, it is really strange, isn't it? And it's uh, 
can only wonder what Lingard must be feeling, um, given how disappointing it must be. I should also say that Southgate was incredibly positive about Lingard in what he said in the press conference. Uh, he was talking about how he's done incredibly well to get back into contention, obviously after a difficult time at Man United, how well he's done at West Ham. Southgate said he's been a player that's played so well with us for England. We have total trust in the way that he plays. He's reliable. He's a great member of the group. So clearly Southgate is a big admirer of what Lingard gives him on and off the pitch. I mean, personally, I think it's a bit of a disappointment Lingard's not in there because I just love watching him play. I think he's he's a really special player. He's got a capacity to beat players in the middle of the pitch, which England don't really have that many other players who can do that. He was obviously part of the 2018 team at the World Cup. I think, to be honest, his performances in the last few months at West Ham are, as well as I've seen him play at any point in his career, I mean, he's clearly a player who, you know, when he is when he's confident, is capable of being tremendously exciting and dangerous and effective. So, yeah, I mean, I have a huge amount of sympathy with Lingard, as does Southgate, and I would probably rather seen him in the squad that said I'm you know I'm going to the game tomorrow and I'm looking forward to seeing how he does yeah he gets shots off as well doesn't he Carl maybe some of the other attacking players that are perhaps going to play wide or in a, in a number 10 role or, or whatever they don't perhaps shoot as often as Jesse Lingard he's got a great goal in that in that famous World Cup how surprised are you that he's not there not too much again okay. it's that thing of when because Southgate is so good at press conferences it is these little decisions about, as to the players he doesn't take with him that he reveals who he is. And I think Lingard and on a wider scale, James Ward-Prowse not being carried into the 26-man squad is Southgate basically going, the England we saw in 2018 is gone, right? So you think about that 2018 England team, yes, loads of set pieces. Yes, you had Jesse Lingard and indeed Delhi from Tottenham Hotspur who were sort of these free eights. You know, sometimes they were up front holding Harry Kane's hand and getting shots off and sometimes they were dropping deep into centre midfield. But also there wasn't great ball retention in central midfield. Um, they didn't have much outside of set pieces and maybe off the ball movement. And I think the fact that Ward-Prowse, who we know, fantastic set piece taker, isn't coming. And Lingard, who we know, you know, played in a World Cup semi-final, scored against you know, one of the goals of the tournament against Panama shows that this England team is going to be different. I think Lingard starting against Austria is one of those weird things that I've only ever seen Alex Ferguson do, which is where he would have a league game before a Champions League game and go, right, you today are going to do a very specific role. I'm going to see how the rest of the other team interacts. So uh, I think Lingard is basically going to be playing Mason Mount against Austria. And I'll probably see a 4-3-3 and see it, right, okay, this is what, Mason Mount would normally do and the closest player I have to Mason Mount in England team right now is Lingard I also think it's probably Southgate doing Lingard a solid and going right you're probably not going to go back to Manchester United West Ham are in the air do you want to have a nice game to put yourself in the shop window mm, yeah yeah valid point that one of the names that leaps out in the attacking section Jack Grealish someone I'm obviously really really pleased to see in that squad I mean to be honest you see Jack Grealish you see Phil Foden you see Mason Mount I don't remember a tournament where we've had three players like that playing for England for a long, long time. It's really, really exciting. Jack's been given the number seven shirt as well. Meant a lot to him, I think. I think memories of David Beckham for him. Greg Evans, my podcast cohort on the Villa side of things, did an article a few hours ago and Jack's where Jack said, first person I spoke to was my mum. I rang her when I found out I had the number seven shirt. I rang my mum and dad. They were together. I was actually shot myself. To be number seven at a major tournament is, is an absolute dream. I've got goosebumps. Jack, I mean, first of all, I don't know whether you saw any of the Jack Grealish stuff earlier. 
I thought it was refreshing how excited he was to, to be in the England squad and be part of it. I just think you can see how much playing for England means to him. And I really think he's going to make a massive impact on the world stage in this tournament. He was part of the the live broadcast that the FA yeah. put out on, on their Twitter account. And yeah, it was clear how much it meant to him. And um, and it was really good to, to see him talk like that. I'm a, I've been really impressed with Grealish since he's come into the England team. I thought he was... You know, the, the Wales game where he absolutely ran the game, I thought he was fantastic. Produced that amazing flick against Belgium uh, in that game. To, that all said, as much as I love Grealish and I love watching him play and I think he's an incredible player, I don't know if I'd have him in my starting eleven. I just think I'd probably have Foden. I'd have Foden ahead of him uh, in that. Could, could role. you not have both? Could you not have both? You could, but it's not as quick. The difficult thing is Southgate wants to play the three four three in the big games. He wants to do three at the back and do that. But the 3-4-3 three, three didn't really make sense until Jack Grealish came in. It was quite boring, all right, until Grealish was that ball runner. This 3-4-3 three, three is quite similar to the one Antonio Conte used at Chelsea when they won 13 games in a row and tore up the league. And integral to that was Eden Hazard, who, yeah, he played on the left, but he also dropped deep and do loads of triangles with the person who was playing to number nine. It was Diego Costa. So, Essentially, Grealish does that role, Kane does that role, and you want your person on the right to be really, really quick. Or again, able to cut inside and shoot. So that, you know, for Chelsea, that was Pedro. I'm not sure what Southgate thinks about Jaden Sancho, but you person on your right hand side, it should probably be Sancho. So you end up in this weird thing of you play Grealish there and make the whole system work, or you play Foden there and try and make it as good, but Foden is really, really intelligent, so you get you get better passing than Grealish, just about. But also, you don't get the ability to carry the ball thirty five yards and you know show off your calves, so to speak. There is a version where you can play Foden on the right and Grealish on the left, but I don't think that is what Southgate wants because he wants his front three to be really quick when those gaps open up. Yeah, I think Southgate is definitely going to want some. Whether he plays four three three or three four three, he's definitely going to want somebody who can run in behind. And yep. I see all these England teams from people which have got Foden, Mount and Grealish and no one who can run in behind. And I think, no, come on. You you need somebody. I did that. You need, really sorry. You need some pace around Harry. Harry Kane isn't quick. As much as I love him, he's not. You need some pace around Harry Kane. And I'm sure that's why I think, I'm sure Sterling will start the first game in that role. Southgate really yeah. likes Sterling. Sterling's played pretty well for England. Over the years, I'm a big fan of Sterling's. But, you know, as I said earlier on the show, Sterling isn't play, you know, hasn't had a great season for, for, for Man City. And my, my take on this, and this might be bollocks, but here we go, is that Sterling, if Sterling isn't great in the start, I think there'll be a massive public clamour to get for Grealish, get Jack in, time to unleash Grealish, all this kind of stuff. But I actually think that the player who might really emerge later on in the group stage is Sancho. I know he's ill at the moment, so he's not actually going to play against Austria, unfortunately. But I think if Sterling isn't playing well, given the question marks over Rashford's form and fitness, given the fact that I think Southgate isn't massively sold on Grealish necessarily, I'm really I'm I'm bullish about the prospect of Sancho bursting into the team for the Scotland or Czech Republic games and really making an impact. Like he is a he is a really tremendous player, and uh, I'm really excited to watch him play at the Euros. Yeah, it's, it's. I'm going to be honest. As much as I want Jack to start, I think he'll be making an impact for, from the bench. But like you say, Jack, I think that once he starts doing that, I think that'll be the clamour for him to start. But I just don't see Gareth Southgate lining up without Raheem Sterling in his eleven. 
And if he does that, I think Raheem Sterling is probably playing on the left, Carl. Ooh. Sterling is really, he's a really intelligent player and he's strangely egoless for a player of his talent, right? There, there have been two or three times in Sterling's career where he has gone, I'm not going to go and score three goals in the next three games. I'll just do loads of nice passing triangles to facilitate better strikers, which is why Southgate loves him, which is why he's popular at Man City and why Brendan Rodgers really enjoyed him too. But when he's off colour, and this is the thing, there, there are so many players that aren't quite at their pomp. And that is why it's opened up these gaps. For, if, G, if Jack Grealish didn't have his injury earlier in the season, he'd be issuing for the left-hand side as far as I'm concerned. You think? Just, yeah, I, I think Grealish would take on the left, Sancho would have taken the right, and we, this wouldn't be a conversation. But because people are ill, people are broken, people are off form, you get this very English, oh, we're limping to an international tournament all over again. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Obviously, only Gareth Southgate knows what he's thinking, but you'd imagine Grealish will be, will be starting tomorrow night on that, on that left-hand side, so or tonight as the as the podcast will go out, you imagine Grealish will be starting on the left-hand side against Austria, so we'll see how he does. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Time to have a look at what's coming up on The Athletic. Jack, what's your your England article that that you've got out now? So I've just done a piece about the England, about the Southgate press conference uh, on Tuesday evening, which I was on, where I thought he talked pretty well about a range of topics. You know, the guys getting cut from the squad, the selection of the four right backs, uh, how much he likes the guys who he has had to cut, uh, the fitness of Maguire. Uh, yeah, it was pretty interesting. He took in quite a good range of topics, and obviously he'll be uh, speaking again to the media after the Austria game, which is Wednesday night, and then again on Saturday ahead of the Romania game, which is Sunday after Sunday afternoon. So the uh, the Gareth Southgate Zoom press conferences are coming thick and fast now, and we'll be all the way through, I think, until England get knocked out, whenever that is. Yeah, there's loads of great England content coming up on the Athletic, including this daily podcast. You've got the Grealish article that I mentioned from from Greg Evans. There's also a piece by Andy Mitten on Kieran Trippier and why he deserves his place in the England squad. That also speaks a little bit about Manchester United's interest in him, which I was quite surprised to read, if I'm being perfectly honest. And a good time to plug the code as well if you're not already subscribed to the Athletic. If you go to theathletic.com slash England pod, you'll get 40% off. Do that before the tournament and you'll get a discount on the subscription. Just before we go then, what's your what's your biggest takeaway from that England squad car? Jude Bellingham's gonna start. Jude Bellingham's gonna start. Yep. He's number two, he's number 26, Carl. He's number, Did you read anything to that? He's number 26, but I don't think Jordan Henderson's gonna play in the group stages. I think Declan Rice has got one the position sealed up. And Mason Mount 
might not play in the pivot next to him. So I think you're gonna you're gonna see Jude Bellingham start one of these group stage matches for England. That's my bullish prediction. Interesting. Jack, I've mentioned squad numbers there. I'm a, I'm a squad numbers fanatic. I mean, Birmingham City will be trying to retire the number 26 England shirt. Now, should we read anything into the, the squad number selection there? Uh, it's tempting sometimes. You know, when you see Declan Rice's four, you think he'll start, um, obviously, Stones and Maguire five and six. But then these are guys that we thought would start anyway. What about Luke Shaw? Well, I was about to say, oh, Luke Shaw's number three. That means he he must be starting. But then I saw that Ben Shaw has 21, which is also what he wears for Chelsea. Yeah. So maybe he would have wanted 21 anyway that all said I can't imagine anybody caring less about squad numbers than Gareth Southgate he does not strike me as a squad numbers type person at all like he's just I think he's a bit too grown up for that so I uh, I wouldn't read too much into it you wouldn't enjoy a dinner party with me then Jack you would not not enjoy that at, at all I've got very strong feelings about what position should wear number six that I will not reveal in this podcast Dan, I do have a question for you. Yeah. Jack Grealish has made the England squad. Ollie Watkins, unfortunately, has not. Being of a Villa persuasion, uh, what do you make of that? I thought he'd be in, being perfectly honest. I thought when I saw this morning that Greenwood wasn't going to be there, I thought Watkins would be that, that fourth striker option. Because I think, obviously, you've got Kane, number one. Dominic Calvert-Lewin's probably the, the backup for Kane if anything happens to him. You've then got Rashford, who can play centrally if, if needs be. I thought Watkins would be there as the number four striker, being perfectly honest. I look at it and think it's probably been a straight shootout between Saka and Watkins, and he perhaps thinks Saka getting tournament experience for him ahead of the World Cup is more important. But I thought he'd be there. I think he probably did just about enough to be there, scored on his England debut. It's disappointing for him, but he's he's still had a phenomenal season, and I won't bet against him scoring in the game to friendly, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. that's it thanks for listening to the england show and don't forget but we'll be with you daily throughout euro 2020 on this feed with myself mark chapman jack pitt brooke and a host of special guests from the athletic and beyond we're back tomorrow to bring the reaction from the england v austria friendly thanks ever so much for listening the athletic